0: Welcome back to How to Sell an Agency, the podcast sharing the journeys of founders who built and sold their agency business. I'm your host, Matt Bennett. Today, I work as an agency advisor, mentor, and non-exec. I'm also a built and sold agency founder myself. In today's episode, I'm joined by Kelly Molson, who co-founded Rubber Cheese, then built it, sold it, and chose to stay on as part of the leadership team. Staying part of the agency you built and sold certainly isn't the big exit that many founders dream of. Which probably gives you a clue that Kelly's story comes with a few twists and turns. It comes with a lot of lessons too, from the difficult journey of co-founders, through niching, finding a voice through the pandemic, life balance, and of course the sale itself. There's a lot to learn, so let's crack on. Here's Kelly Molson on how to sell an agency. Thank you so much for coming on today, Kelly. I I feel like it's been one of these interviews where it's been difficult getting the planets to align, Uh, even today with the builders digging up a house around me while we're trying to set up for it. So I really appreciate you bearing with me and coming on. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today, Matt. Thanks very much for inviting
0: me. I've I've been delighted to have you on since. Well, since I started talking about doing this podcast. I think, you know, one obviously... I feel like you'll be a great guest to have on. I've listened to your own podcast quite a lot. But, but just your story as well, I think as I've got into these stories with founders who've sold their agencies, hearing the different ways these deals have come about and these things have happened has been really interesting I, and I'm looking forward to getting your, your take on that as well. So Rubber Cheese, the most fun to say of all the agency names. <laughs> um, maybe you can set the scene of it for those who who don't. Know you and know the business already. Can you tell me a little bit about the agency?
1: I can, yeah, Rubber Cheese. Oh my goodness. Well, just to say that me and my co founder were 24 when we set up Rubber Cheese and then. Um, we just thought a really stupid name would be a bit of an attention thing back then. And uh, and then it stuck. And then we ended up being around for 20-odd years. And so um, I don't know that there's – people always ask me if there's a meaning behind the name. And there really is. You've got to make one up
0: now, surely.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We did actually run a competition a few years ago. So if you have a look on our website, there is a story behind it that somebody wrote for us. And it is – yeah, it's all it's around innovation. So uh, Innovation and Creativity. (laughs) I love that.
0: Make up the the origin story after. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like those names have sort of come full circle, haven't they? It was like in the kind of late 90s, early 2000s, it was, you know, pick two random words and it became a bit of a cliche, but you've kind of stuck around and I feel it's, it's standout again now, isn't it?
1: I would like to say that we've made yeah, I mean it's vintage. We've we've made it vintage. It was retro and kitsch and now it's vintage because we've we've
0: stood the test of time. <laughs> That's why I describe myself now.
1: <laughs> oh, vintage, like a fine wine or a or fine, fine cheese. cheese yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, rubber cheese. I mean we we like I said, we there was two of us, we set it up when we were in you know, in our early twenties and we've been around twenty years now. But we are essentially a web design agency, but we work specifically with the visitor attraction sector have mostly been kind of focused on B2C over the years, I'd say. We worked a lot in hospitality and food and drink, but the last kind of five or six years, we really kind of focused on that, on visitor attractions as our kind of core audience. We were, I guess, when we started out, just like everyone, we were kind of anything and everything to anyone that would buy anything from us. Um, both of us were traditionally graphic designers and kind of came together. And I think we did a lot of kind of branding work and marketing work and Grocery work, you know, over the years, and and then just kind of transitioned really across to digital. It was where we saw our strength and where we where we saw the world going, and that's what we offer as our core service now: web design and development, and and for attraction specifically around kind of integrating their ticketing booking systems. We talk a lot about that.
0: You know. That's great. There was that thing, wasn't there? Where you know, my my agency was sort of from a, a similar era of origin. We did we did everything, didn't we? I think we came from as it was then the other end of things. I think you came from the graphic design angle. We probably came from the Benerdier angle. We all kind of met in the middle somewhere along the lines, didn't we? Yeah, we used to, to all sort of put modems into computers so that could check email. You did everything. How long did it take sort of from that early start of a bit of everything to kind of settle into kind of the identity that you were known for? We do Web Designs and Marketing for Visitor Attractions. How long after the start was that?
1: Quite a while actually. So I think I'd say for about the first kind of four or five years, Paul and I were just just finding our feet really. I think there there was something about doing lots of different things that was quite appealing to us. We'd worked in an agency previously where we were kind of just doing the same thing over and over again and it become a bit monotonous. And so I think it was quite exciting to suddenly, you know, one day be working on some branding and the next be working on some designs for, you know, we were lucky to work with Tesco's at the time, doing some work for them. An old client of mine, we used to design wine labels. And so, you know, that it was lovely to be able to kind of do different things. But then I think, you know, you have to have something that people know you for, you know, you have to have that kind of hook. And, and so over the years, we did a lot more web stuff. We were kind of moving into that space. And I think it probably took us a good goodness, it probably took us a good 10 years Mm. to transition solely across to kind of web design and development. And that was what we were going to focus on. And then within that time, you know, the next 10 years, like I said, we really, we did have a bit of a, we had a focus on business to consumer. So we always worked with organizations that were consumer facing. So things like food and drink clients, restaurants, hospitality, hotels. Thinking back, our first web design, this is so random, was for um, Harlow Greyhound racing track. And that came through my dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my, my granddad used to be a Greyhound trainer and my dad used to go to the dog track every Friday and he used to talk to him about what I could do. And um, yeah, they, they hired us to build their website. So I guess that counts as an attraction kind of thing. It? It's you, a sporting attraction. Stayed so message. yeah, actually, I yeah. Stayed, I've totally stayed on message. Uh, that's really weird to think back that that was my Our first website
0: must have been there somewhere in your DNA. Exactly, it was it was
1: programmed up there. But really, I think the attractions focus came came through one of our drink clients. So we work with um, Pono Recard for a number of years now, probably since about 2011. And they have a number of uh, visitor centres. So they have they work they have the Plymouth Gin Visitor Centre, which is down in Plymouth, beautiful, amazing place. You can go on a tour and, and see how they make the gin there, and then you can have a little
0: little sample. It's on my like, wish list, that one, actually. It is it's a, ra- it's a really thing ra- to ra- my wish list, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say Gin's not a big surprise, to be honest. Yeah.
1: No, I'd highly recommend it. And we were asked to work on a project for them. It was redesigning and developing the website for the visitor center. And we also, we built them a bespoke ticket booking platform, actually, rather than integrating into something. So it worked really well. Uh, they rolled that out to the Beef Eater Gin Distillery and a number of their whiskey distilleries up in Scotland as well. And for us, that was our first taste of the visitor experience, the yeah. visitor economy. And we all absolutely loved it. You know, the, the whole team are are really people that, that they spend money on experiences and doing things rather than stuff. And so it fitted really well with the kind of like, yeah. the culture that we had. Anyway, at the back of that project, it allowed us just to win um, a couple of other lovely projects in the sector. And you know, we we work with Eureka, the National Children's Museum, and and that kind of the case study that we had for the visitor center really helped us kind of winning them as a client
0: and working with them over the years. So it was never really a deliberate plan to niche down. It was just following yeah, what worked no, yeah. and what was interesting. And, and... Yeah,
1: I think that that happens quite a lot with niches, right? Like, I don't think that there's many agencies that set out from the start and go, this is what we're going to focus on. I think sometimes when you've been a bit of a Maybe a jack of all trades like like we were one stop shop like they used to call us. It takes a couple of projects to kind of work out where you go and what and what you're good at, and that's definitely what happened with us. We had these brilliant opportunities to work with these incredible clients and organizations, and that just kind of made us want to do more and more and more of them. We got good results for them as well, so you know there was a, a it was a really good reason for doing it and so I think at the beginning of twenty nineteen we we decided that that was how we were going to focus. All of our kind of outbound marketing efforts. We still have other clients that we that we've worked with and have have for a number of years, but outbound that was what we were going to focus on, and it it went really well right up until there was a global pandemic and all of the attractions shut. And we went, hmm. I heard about. Have we made a bit of a yes. <laughs> a, bit of a wrong choice here? But no,
0: it, it's the danger, isn't it? With niching, I think you know a lot of agencies spent quite a lot of time looking. We everyone must niche and. And a number of people got burned. We got burned to some extent. We developed a product which was very much, it's been quite a lot of money developing a technical product as well, which wasn't really what we had historically done. But it was very much aimed at um, sports, live sports. So, uh, again, that fell apart and we had a backup plan of using it for travel. (laughs) So, um, you know, we, we really, really chose my niche as well. But weirdly enough, I was one of the many people who didn't see it coming, like none of us did. So, but before we sort of get into what, you know, the dreaded pandemic did, how, so over that period, so you started in, you're part of that exclusive, like me, 20 years on LinkedIn at One Company Club. Over that period, how, what did the business look like from you and Paul starting it to how different was it the day before we became aware of a pandemic?
1: Well, interesting. So Paul and I started it in 2003. That was when rubber cheese became a thing. And it was a partnership. And then at some point, 2007, I think it turned. we, we turned it into a limited company. And it was just the two of us for quite a number mm-hmm. of years. I think that like the first four or five years, it was just the two of us. We were kind of doing everything and everything. So we were both like trying to get work in and doing all of the work once it was in as well. So it was it was pretty unsustainable at one point. I can remember a, a few all-nighters that we pulled in the studio and, um, and just thinking we're going to end up killing ourselves by the time we're 30. So we took a, I took a step back from design and and we hired a designer to take on my role. And then fast forward uh, to the beginning of 2019 and there was, we, we were, were never a huge agency. I think there was eight of us at the beginning of 2019. Um, and actually 2019 was a really tough year. So um by the time we entered the pandemic, we'd we'd actually had to let a few people go. So we'd, there was only five of us when we when we mm. entered the pandemic um, in March 2020. So yeah, 2019 was was a really difficult year. Um, we had many projects that we'd kind of get to the point of winning, and then those projects were be repooled because of Brexit uncertainty and and all kinds all kinds of thing. And they and they those projects weren't at the time necessarily linked to the attraction sector because we weren't you know ultimately focusing on 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 that at that point but yeah it was a really tough year really um I think it it really affected Paul and I having to let people go that was the first time that we'd ever had to do that in all of those those years as well so it was it was a really horrible process to go through and 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 um, really really affected us quite mentally and obviously you know we loved the people that we let go it was it was pretty horrendous. So we entered the pandemic really stripped back, um, a, a really lean agency, but it, I think in some ways that kind of helped us. We didn't need to furlough anyone throughout um, uh, and we'd, we'd actually won. We had a considerably good January and we'd actually won like four really large projects that we knew um, mm-hmm. come March were going to carry us all the way through to October. So we were actually in, in a relatively good position comp- Comparative to a lot of agencies that I was speaking to at the time um, yeah. and weirdly the pandemic in some ways gave us quite a lot of opportunity so we'd launched our own podcast in 2019 in July um, and no one really in the sector really knew who we were so you know we were kind of launching this podcast and asking people yeah. if they'd come on and talk about you know their attractions and they were like who are you <laughs> who, who are you who listens to this <laughs> podcast and we were like no one it's new please yeah um but yeah that that was quite
0: <laughs> it's very important to support you know social so give people yeah, a yeah. chance
1: yeah. um but we were lucky we 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 had uh, one of our team was a, had a relation um was was related to uh one of the, uh, the to the CEO actually of a really local visitor attraction so we were really lucky to be able to get her on and i think that that kind of helped us yeah. um but the pandemic, yeah, with, gave us an opportunity with the podcast because we, we launched the second season in the July of 2020 and um, the, the kind of people that we could get on because people were really accessible. You know, they, they couldn't work. They were furloughed. Yeah, uh, They needed an outlet. They needed things to listen to. They wanted to come on and share some of the things that they were doing and they wanted to hear from people about what they were doing and how they could implement that in their own attractions. And so um, it kind of gave us this opportunity to raise our profile quite significantly Um, because we just did stuff that was helpful for people you know that that was that was the first thing you know I can remember sitting down um, a couple of days after the pandemic started after we were put into lockdown and just thinking right what what did what do our clients need and what do our potential clients need right now and I started to pull together this blog post of all of the things that I was finding that would be useful to attractions and just bringing it together into this one big resource and putting that out as many different places as I could and then um speaking to as many people as I could, like just booking one to ones and and finding out what was going on and booking podcasts, guests and and that was that that was the right approach really, and I think that really helped us um be seen as people that really cared about the sector and 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 wanted to be able to support them and we' here for for them when they could come back and and yeah
0: it was a good opportunity wasn't it for people who, who did really care to shine through. I know like there were people out there seeing it as a thing to be exploited, but actually those coming from a genuine position, you know, I, you, know you and I met through the agency collective and that, that was, you know, that's an example of, I think, an organisation who actually cared and was taking time to look after people in that position. And I certainly got more involved with it. I think i have been paying membership forever <laughs> at that point and never used it, but actually I started getting involved and there was, a, you know, a number of, you know, we I think we were consciously trying to do the same. So, yeah, I can imagine... I guess the visitor attraction people must have been a lot in almost panic mode about wondering what the future holds. So the opportunity to discuss and and get thoughts out there and share ideas it must have been you know. Yeah, I think well,
1: so. And like I, I said, it was all about just being helpful. So you know, we we just gave away as much as we possibly could, like digital strategies. You know, with this free ebook that people could do, could download, and we just you know tried to speak on webinars and just get you know anything that we could. Push out like blogs that would be really helpful, just things that they could implement that would be really useful for for them straight away. We just did as much of that as possible, and, it, and what was what was lovely is that there was loads of other people doing that within the sector as well, and that we made some yeah. amazing connections. You know, I still to today, you know, I think Bernard Donoghue is the CEO of of, of Alva, the uh, Association for Leading Visitor Attractions, and I just I look back at what he did, the support that he that he gave to that sector, and still does today. I just I don't know how he carried that all on his shoulders. It was phenomenal. And 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 I felt really, you know, privileged to be able to meet with people like Bernard and to be able to talk to him and, and also to to know um to Gordon Morrison, the the, the CEO of ASVA, the this the Association for Scottish Visitor Attractions as well. And you know, for me being able to make those kind of connections and and, and be associated with those people was just, you know, phenomenal. So.
0: yeah. So you'd been the two of you running the agency for nearly two decades at this point. You were in, you'd kind of had a hit. You got yourself back into a fairly strong position. You were not making the most of, but, you know, you had found the positives within what was happening with the pandemic. And then sometime between there and then the sale happened at some point over the next couple of years. So what, what changed in, you know, you clearly hadn't, built an agency with a sale in mind unless you were even slower at doing it than I was. I <laughs> do oh, no, know, you know I was still slow. Um, but what so what what changed? What sort of changed the thinking and what changed? Yeah, it's a, the way it's you a great made.
1: question. And I think that there's a there's a number of things. There's a number of factors that that were involved in getting to the making the decision that we made ultimately. Um, 2019 was really difficult. It was a really, really challenging year, and I think that that didn't help at all. I think, I think Paul and I had been having thoughts about what we did and where we were going prior to that, but I'd probably not voiced them to each other. Um, I think uh, 20 years is a really long time to work with somebody, and I think that we just. This sounds like a really. Sounds a bit trite, maybe, but I think we just come to the end of the line. I think we had just come to the end of the line yeah. of working together. I think our personal lives were in very different places um, at, at points of our, of our kind of agency journey. Um, I, I, I've had a, my husband and I have had a, had a really difficult journey to have our our daughter. We, we went through many years um, of of losses and IVF treatment and. Infertility and all of the, the the terrible things that come along with that as well, and, and it had really taken its toll on me, and it had also taken its toll on the agency. And I think Paul and I's relationship as well. You know, I, 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 I he was he was incredibly supportive of me going through all of these things whilst trying to run an agency. Um, but I think, you know, there were times during there were times during the agency journey that I was like. I can't focus on the agency. I can't focus on, you know, what mm-hmm. our five-year plan is because I don't know what my life is going to look like in five years. And and that, I think that was really difficult for him. Um, it was difficult for me to say to him and it was probably really difficult for him to hear because, yep. you know, you're you're in partnership with this person and, and this, this agency is your life. This is your career. This is, this is what supports, you know, yeah. y- your lifestyle, your family. Um, and there's me saying, I don't know what five years looks like for me. You know, if, if Lee and I can't have the, the, the family that we want, then we might bugger off and live in Spain and we might go and do, you know, our life needs to change in some way. And I don't know how the agency fits with yeah. that because I don't know what my life is going to look like. And whereas Paul's road, you know, was quite steady. You know, he, he's got a wonderful family and um, he's got three beautiful children and he kind of knew where he, he kind of knew where he was going for at least you know a, a period yeah. of time, and, and so it was it's really different different circumstances. Um, and I think agency life is tough. I don't i I cannot explain it to people who don't who are not in agency world how challenging it is. Yeah. Like it is it is like you no, know, and I mean it really is all I know. You know I've worked in in agencies prior to setting up an agency, but. It's like nothing else that I can can imagine. It, it's like nothing else I hear about. No, it's like <laughs> it doesn't end. And when it's yours, you would just there's no there's no downtime from it at all. It really isn't. And I think if I'm honest, I just was knackered. I was absolutely knackered from the pressure of running this kind of like this high yeah. uh, energy agency and going through all of this stuff in in our personal lives as well. And I just was Burnt out, like say, so, say, so burnt out.
0: That rings some bells for me. I've, I've described it as yeah. I just ran out of fight. I knew we had another fight coming. Previously, we'd been very good at those fights. And I just, you know, the, again, circumstances, some business, some not. I'd run out of fight. There's a standing joke with me and one of my old team, and he keeps saying, I think you just needed a holiday, not a sale. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs>
1: Maybe. Maybe. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Who knows? Um, but actually, I'd built a business where it was very difficult to take hold of that. I would been falling fall into that trap. But it is is—it's just, it is never ending, isn't it? And I think for a lot of people, the pandemic was just another pandemic. And there, there's certain hits that we all had to get through, or many of us had to get through. And then that's on top of all the ones that we personally had to get through and were particular to our businesses. And it's just, Wave after wave, sometimes isn't it? There's amazing things in between that I'm not. I, I don't. I do not regret life. I I chose the business I built at all, but it's still bloody hard. <laughs> you know, even even yeah. with the great bits.
1: It's interesting though because it wasn't. I don't think it was the pandemic that did it for me yeah. at all. Um, that, that I mean, we'll come to to why we got to the point of uh, the decision that we made, but um, but it was 2019 that did it for me. So um, yeah. we'd we'd had a particularly traumatic event happening in our personal life in the middle of that year. Mm. I could also see, you know, we were having a really difficult year with the agency. I wasn't sure. I really wasn't sure how things were going to pan out. You know, um, it, we just seemed to have every month, there was some kind of crisis that we had to deal with that was just completely unexpected and unplanned for, and it was really taking its toll. And to come to the end of that year and have to, had to have had to let the people go that we did was just, devastating it really was it was yeah, I think it was that point that kind of broke me a little bit and weirdly the pandemic I was running on adrenaline when it happened and actually I, I felt like I was thriving I felt like I was doing some of my best work during that time because I, I kind of I can't explain it. I, it it was an utter adrenaline rush of suddenly yeah. having to learn how to run a business in a different way in, in this virtual way that we would not done before run an agency virtually which we'd not done before we had one team member prior to the pandemic who worked virtually for us so we kind of had like a little bit of an insight into it but you know there was this new thing that we were doing and it was like we had to be you know we talk about our clients having to pivot but we had to do all of that ourselves as well and there was a real kind of energy about it and I think I don't know I kind of found myself really enjoying that process a little bit Um, and I found the thing that I loved as well so I found I can remember speaking to a good a good agency friend of mine, Steve Hunt, who had been through a really similar experience in like not loving what he was doing. And he said, you've got to find the thing that you love about the agency again. You've got to find that, yeah. that, that element of it. And he said, find where the joy is. And I think that was what happened in 2020 is I found the joy through the podcast and working with that attraction sector. And suddenly everything clicked for me. But the one thing that didn't change... Was this this feeling of pressure of everything being on my shoulders? Um, everyone else is being, feeling that responsibility for everybody else. You know, when I when we had to make that decision to let people go, in my head I was like, "It's these people's mortgages. It's this people's life. It's 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 there's those people's families. It's every this decision that I make here, which I have to make, affects them in such." In such a, an all-encompassing way, and I just could not get that. I couldn't shake it out of my head, and I think I just wanted to get to a point where I had less responsibility on my shoulders. Um, we were really lucky uh, to have another round, you know, a final throw of the dice of IVF um, at the end of 2020, October yes. 2020, mm-hmm. and um, which worked, which was successful. <laughs> And so, in kind of January, February time of 2021, when I, I was hopeful that we were finally going to bring this this baby home, that that was the point where I said, "Yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm done." But I don't know what that I don't know what done means. I, I think I, I I want this 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 thing that is on my shoulders all the time. I want that lifted. Yeah. And how do we make that happen? And so I had the conversation with with Paul, and then. And I think that he, I don't think it came as a surprise to him because we'd kind of, I'd kind of alluded to it before. We'd had like a little, you know, mini conversations about it at the end of 2019, and then obviously pandemic hit, and we were like, right, this is what we need to focus on. So um, we then, it was kind of then, what, like, how, what, what do we do? Like, what does this look like? Does 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 Paul want to carry this on without me? Do I leave, or yeah. you know, do I, you know. Does he not want to do it anymore without me? And what and, and, and what does it look like? What does it mean for rubber cheese? Do we want rubber cheese to not exist anymore? That kind of wasn't what I was hoping for. I still wanted this 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 thing that this entity yeah. that we'd created to, to exist. But we just kind of didn't know we didn't know how to, to do any of those things or what we wanted. And so, so we took a little first, bit of
0: what were the first steps? So you, you had the conversation, you had you just you would come clean that something's going to change this this needs to change now where do you go from there because that's a very different process to i went through so where'd you start
1: yeah so what the starting point was this conversation around like that this this isn't what i want anymore and and what i would like is less of this um is there a way that we can make that happen and then obviously paul needed to share how he felt about the situation as well and what he wanted and so there was kind of a lot of backwards and forwards we would talk about it and then we would go away and have a think and you know Paul would speak to his 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 wife and I would talk to Lee about you know w- what this looked like and how we could make it work and and we we kind of went through a few different variations of what would happen you know um did I did did Paul buy my shares from me and and, and he'd take it on and run it or did we? Did we dissolve it, which maybe made me feel sick? Yeah. <laughs> um, did uh, you know we even actually spun it around and did? Did I did I buy Paul's shares and, and then and and you know what? I don't know how we we just we talked about all these different variations of what or what it could what yeah. it could potentially look like. Um, and ultimately, I think we 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 didn't come to an agreement for a really long time. And then that agreement actually changed as well. So at one point, I think Paul was going to take it on, and then. Uh, he had a second think about it. And actually he'd, be, he'd been thinking about doing some other things. And he said that this is his opportunity to take, to go and do something different. And so we both came to the decision that we wanted to, I wanted less pressure, Paul wanted to do different things. And so where did that leave the agency? Because it, it, it was almost like there's three parties here, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you're, you're talking about what you want personally, each of you. Um, but you're also talking about what this this entity needs and what that looks like and whether that exists or not and 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 you know it's it's kind of becomes its own person in, in these conversations, um, and we just we got to the final decision that we we kind of wanted rubber cheese to to, to exist and continue, yeah. um, but we didn't know how to make that happen when Paul wanted to leave. Um, and I wanted this less responsibility and I didn't know if that meant me leaving or if it meant me taking a sidestep into a different role or <laughs> so I talked to a friend I genuinely just it wasn't it wasn't any kind of conversation about a merger or an acquisition or anything it was a wow you know me and Paul have talked about these things and this is where we're at and i um, don't know how don't know what we're going to do really. You know, we're just kind of undecided about how we make this work best for everybody. And, um, yeah, just talked it through with a friend who's another agency owner. And then a couple of weeks later, he kind of said, do you think there's an opportunity here to do something together? And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Hadn't considered that. And that's when the conversation started again, but in a very different format. Um, my friend, uh, Runs a very successful agency. It does very similar things to Rubber Cheese in terms of uh, web design and 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 build and, and stuff, but non non sector specific. Is there a way of bringing the agencies together? And so that that conversation then started around do we do we merge the the agencies? Um, do we retain the brands? Do we merge them into another? Do we change the whole name completely? You no, know, and then it kind of went off on a on a tangent, and um and it, it ended up that that what was Right for me was to stay with Rubber Cheese, but just go into a different role where I wasn't the, the finance and the HR and all of those things. The
0: way every hat yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoulder every response. I could
1: wear one or two hats, not like 10
0: yeah.
1: in a day. So it, it gave me what I wanted. It allowed Paul to leave and go off and do other exciting things, which he, had, he is doing um, really, you know, successfully and it meant that this third party our, the agency <laughs> yeah. lives on and does some brilliant things still with the sector so it kind of all did it kind of all has had a happy ending it so, was just a really strange way of how we kind of worked out what that ending uh, was yeah like. it's
0: a really uh, yeah what a fortuitous conversation to have and you know, what, a, what a great friend to be sharing that way that that's very i think a lot of people spend so much time trying to find a kind of a suitor for it to so, um yeah how how, how pretty mm-hmm. so without obviously the, the, this kind of get, always gets onto the sticky part because there's things that people can talk about and things that people can't talk about yeah. but what are sort of the headlines what did the structure how did that work out what did the deal look like you know in terms of what can you share what can't you share
1: yeah so i there's not loads that i can share um yeah but the deal structure is essentially we have merged the two agencies the two agencies retain their existing brands and just behind those brands we have a shared pool of resource so the team is a merged team rubber cheese forward facing still does exactly what it says on the tin we still you know help visitor attractions sell more tickets by building them remarkable websites and the other agency still does exactly what they do as well it's just we have this team behind us now that is enlarged uh, so I think there was about 15 or 16 of us all brought together. And actually that team works across projects from the agencies as well. So that's really lovely. So we've got, you know, project managers and, and account managers who work across across the two brands and designers and developers who work across the two brands too. So we've just essentially brought all those together. I moved into a the head of commercial role, which is kind of like, an, it's kind of a bit of a mix. You know, I do... Uh, new business development and marketing, and Paul, my old co-founder, he left the agency, so he left and he's gone on and set up his own his own thing now, which he's he's busy building, doing exciting things for. So yeah, and the, and my friend became CEO of the two agencies, so he kind of he popped on top of me and he took all that pressure off my shoulders, which was brilliant. Like,
0: yes. <laughs> so from your perspective, you you got the opportunity to, I suppose. At the risk of oversimplifying, you know, focus on probably more of the bits you like, having to shoulder less of everything else. And I guess do that with the support, with greater support of a larger organization behind you, which is really good. But what do you think was uh, the appeal from your acquirer? What what was it about rubber cheese? You think made them go, actually, this this is a, a good deal for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, they were really interested in the sector niche that we had and developing that from a personal perspective and from, a, from an organizational perspective. I know that was a big driver for it. I think that they really respected the kind of design led approach that we have to the projects that we work on. So that was a big driver for them too. I think ultimately it comes down, always comes down to good cultural fit. So we share the same values and ethos and uh, same kind of levels of customer service that we offer. So I think they they were probably the three biggest factors in 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 why it looked like a good deal. You know, ultimately it was affordable. Let's talk about it. I'm, I'm not going to share specific numbers, but we all know that most agency acquisitions we're not going to sell up and retire on. Let's face yeah. it. So I think it was a, a it was an appealing deal.
0: Well, you say um, we all know. The I I still think there is this perception that yeah. You know, I speak to quite a lot of people who have some. Quite strong ideas, <laughs> some quite optimistic ideas of what they think their business would be worth if it was sold. And sometimes we're having that conversation while I have their accounts open as well. And they're, they're, I do think there's there's a gap. And what what I found really interesting doing this podcast is, I think I'm sure a lot of people are going to start listening, thinking, "Oh, people are going to share the secrets of how they made seventy gazillion pounds out of so, the sale." But what I find really interesting is. I think every story is really different and interesting in its own right, but just actually the motivations for selling and, and the realities of the deal and, and there the, tend to be really positive transactions, but maybe not in the way that some people are expecting. So, so yeah, yes. it's not everyone, m- many, I'd
1: say. Okay, many. Well, And, and look, don't, like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are, there are bigger deals to be had out there, but Rubber Cheese was never a huge agency. Um, we did okay. You know we still do okay but you know I'm not retiring mm-hmm. put it that way uh, my feet aren't up in the sunshine just yet maybe you know one day but not not just yet yeah. um, but I think that it was I want to talk from Paul's uh, from my co-founder's perspective because he because I'm still in the organization but he, you know he has left it gave him the opportunity to go out and set up something new you know, and I think that, that that is that's really important to acknowledge that, that 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 the sale has given him the opportunity to go and do a new thing and set up a new thing that he wanted to do. So, ultimately, someone's going to pay you what what they think that your agency's is worth, and that's what yeah. you're going to sell it for.
0: Yeah, I was I was just thinking with the when I had my uh, call with Nick Boyce, uh, we did a, a recording recently. Um, we were joking beforehand that we should have called the, the podcast your your to mine. <laughs> because there is that, that perception, so clearly you haven't bought the yacht. Um, I'm assuming no. that you're not in the the mansion with the three swimming pools and stuff either. But how how has the deal changed your life? Because you're obviously talking about this in a really positive way.
1: I am. Yeah, it's really funny. I thought you were going to go. How have you spent your money? Yeah, well, yeah. what have you blown? have What have you blown your money on? Um, <laughs> um, how has it changed? Oh, it's a good question. So what? What I would say is what you said earlier is right. So my role does allow me now to focus on the things that I enjoy. And I think, but I think the things that I'm good at as well. So there were plenty of things that I was doing in the agency that were not a good fit for me. And I wasn't good at them. I got by at them, but they weren't good. So I am very lucky to be in that position where I get the opportunity to do all the things that I really enjoy now. So that's great. So that's real positive. It has taken a lot of responsibility off me. Ultimately we're still a small agency though you know 15 people 16 people is still considered a relatively small agency so there are still a number of hats that i juggle and i think what is interesting and i've been reflecting on the last couple of months is ownership and what ownership actually means so from a share perspective you know you have a you have an ownership and when yeah. you merge or when you when the, those shares are acquired i think people assume that you give up an ownership of something but you absolutely don't you know i Still have an ownership of Rubber Cheese. It was something that I built over such a long period of time, and so there is still many things that I am involved in on a daily basis. And and my um, you know my new CEO involves me in from a level of respect about you know things decisions that he's making. Mm. He doesn't need to ask me; they're his decisions to make. This is his thing now. But there is a real level of of respect there about bringing me into certain conversations, which I really really value. So. That's lovely. There is less responsibility on my shoulders, which I've found I've, found I've really enjoyed having less responsibility, especially while my daughter is so, so young. You know, she's under two, she's running around all over the place at the moment. And it gives me more headspace to enjoy her while she's younger. Having waited for her for so long, I was really, that was really important for me to be able to do that. So that's been really life changing, actually. And we are all still remote as well. That was something that was quite important to me, you know, to be able to still work from home while she was young too and so the fact that the other agency was also fully remote and had been since you know before the pandemic as well was quite a good thing for me so it's been that's been able to carry on so look, yeah lots of good positives one thing I would I would say is that the, the transition of merging two agencies the granular stuff has taken longer than I expected and I think it's because it's because agency life is so busy like we are moving at such a rapid pace all the time so The CEO and I would would both say this out loud, a lot of time and effort was put into getting to the point of sale. You know, there was due diligence that we went through. I mean, oh my God, Matt, you know exactly how long all of that stuff takes. It was absolutely phenomenal. It felt like at times that we had like two full-time jobs, you know, one running the agency and two doing the due diligence.
0: uh, Yeah, Um, absolutely. I I described it exactly like that. And I got to the point of just saying to the team, just consider me not here. Consider me on the (laughs) bet because... If this deal is going to go ahead, that is my fault. And our acquire our was a lot larger than us as well. So every time I did a piece of work, you know, there was 10 people turning around and giving me more. So because of the yeah. scale of difference and yeah, so and I know what you're about to say, but carry on. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> just, that, that work to get to the point of sale.
1: It was all encompassing. It yeah. was all I could think about and it was all that I was able to do for such a long period of time. But. We got to that point of sale and then we were like, oh, now what? What happens now? And so much had been put into thinking about just getting to that point, not, not as much. Yeah. We just didn't have the capacity for it. It had been put into like what happens next. And, and so that's been quite interesting to look, to look back and over the part what it was. So it was August 20, 2023 that the, the sale, uh, sorry, August 2022 that the sale happened. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're you know, coming up for the year anniversary in a few months and it's interesting to see the things that are still being worked out at the granular level. Nothing, you know, nothing terrible, but just yeah. like, oh, okay, hang on a minute, whose process do we use for this then? And actually should should we use that process for this? Because that probably works better in these circumstances. And then transitioning those things across from either from you know rubber cheese to the new agency or vice versa. And even things that come up from a sales perspective that are done slightly differently. And oh, how do we Hmm, how do we approach this? I would usually do this, but is that right in this circumstance? I'm not quite sure. And those conversations are still happening. And I was like, "Oh, in six months, this will all be done and dusted." It's It's, complex. Just, it's, it's really, it is complex, really complex, isn't it? Yeah,
0: really. And complex. it's very difficult to do that transition because of just the number of interdependencies <laughs> and all. So that's you know you, you go, but this this one we should clearly use your system for that, but we can't yeah. because we rely on us for this part of it. And just even when you know. How things should end up. That transition period is very difficult, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and I, and I what I would say is it's it's probably been easier because we haven't because we're all remote, we haven't had to bring a team of fifteen and sixteen people into a room together. So you haven't yeah. had the day-to-day cultural challenges of suddenly going right, all we'll get on. Where are you all going to sit? All we'll get on. You know, yeah. that other agencies in the past would have had to have dealt with from that perspective. So you know, that's been a bit a bit easier, I'd say, but. Yeah, it's been um, it's an ongoing process, but it, which brings its own interesting challenges, but also opportunities.
0: You're obviously enjoying it. You're obviously enjoying the change. I'd imagine that there's an element of it bringing kind of new life into what you're doing and things as well. Because yeah, it, it sounds bad, but after 20 years, you sort of want to change as well, really, don't you? I've joked before about I think I spent too much of my childhood playing with Lego. I think I've got this habit of every every now and then just picking everything up, smashing it onto it. I want to rebuild it. And that you do need a bit of excitement and change. Maybe that's yes. pandemic excitement <laughs> as I'm excited as well.
1: Maybe, yeah. I haven't quite got to the point of wanting to smash this role in, but yeah, <laughs> but I know what you know, I'm quite lucky to be in a position where I've got other things as well. So my husband and I have a property development business Mm. so there's other things that keep me busy outside of agency life which I think if I didn't have I might be going oh can I really do another 10 more years of this I don't know and and though it might make me make different decisions but it's nice to have other things to focus on that are outside of that world that kind of that have different challenges and things that you need to to
0: consider. I think that's a good tip that's I can only imagine but that's beneficial I think (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah less said about that, the better. I've all headed to a bit of a wrap-up. I know I've kind of kept you quite a bit. I've completely kind of ignored the plan, the things I want to talk about, but I've really really enjoyed the conversation. And I do have loads of area builders outside waiting to rip a wall. So (laughs) I probably need to start recording before that happens. But just sort of ending on a bit of hindsight, thinking about kind of the journey you've been on and done and where you've ended up now, if you had the magic time machine and you could go back and make a few changes, and are there things you would change?
1: So, I, I honestly think the only things that I would change is more preparation in what comes after. Mm-hmm. So that I think my new CEO and myself would be in absolute agreement about that. I think that the sale process was what it was. There was, I don't think there's anything that really could have changed in that. It was going to take as long as it took. The due diligence was painful it always was going to be it always will be for people you're trying to run an agency and keep it running and keep it performing to a certain level for a merger and having to do all these things at once right it's completely and utterly overwhelming there's nothing about that that i would change because it's not changeable but i definitely would have carved out some more time to think through what happens after the point of sale like should we agree now upfront what the processes are and whose we use rather than working it out as we go along? And I think maybe that would have been easier for us and also easier for the team to have had that direction from the start rather than let's just kind of make this a bit fluid and see how it goes. I think just having a bit more direction about this is actually the way that we're going to do things would have been easier for everybody. But I stand by that this was the right decision to make. It has given me ultimately what I wanted. It's given Paul, my old co-founder, what he wanted, so that has to make it, it the right decision gotten, to, to make. We, we yeah. run,
0: we should be running businesses to give us the lives we want, and if they're not doing that, then maybe that is the time to make some some kind of change. So, just to wrap up, then, if someone else is kind of maybe feeling a little trapped in their business, maybe feeling like their business isn't, you know, their agency is not giving them the life they want to be. Had, any kind of tips or thoughts that you would throw at them to end up on?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've got a co-founder like I did, go and talk to them, have a real sit down, honest conversation about where your life's going, how you're feeling about stuff. You might feel that they're, you know, might find that they're feeling the same or feel very differently. And there's something that you can work out between the two of you to make it work for you both. But then secondly, we are really lucky. You mentioned the agency collective. I've been a member of that for a number of years, and you know, there's other agency networks out there. There's Cactus and Agency Nomics as well, and Agency Hackers. And gosh, there's there's loads of loads, loads yeah. of support. Go and talk to other agency owners that you know. It, you'll be amazed how many are probably feeling exactly the same way that you are. You never know where there's opportunities
0: mm-hmm. that,
1: like that, you know. Look, this honestly, this whole thing that we've been through came from just a chat with a friend who has an agency and that it's as simple as that, you might find that the same thing could happen to you or, you know, maybe you just need a holiday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight. I really appreciate you being so open and honest and being really good fun to have on. I look forward to listening to your Skip the Cube podcast again soon and hopefully wow. having another chat and keeping those conversations going.
1: Oh, I'd love that. Thank you so much for having me on, Matt. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. What an amazing guest. Thank you, Kelly. I'm sure everyone listening is going to be really grateful, particularly because you were so frank and open. If you would like to learn more about Kelly, Rubber Cheese, the Skip the Q podcast, you can find links to all of them at howtosellanagency.com. The website also has links to more about me and what I do as an agency advisor, and of course, all the other episodes in this series. If you're enjoying the conversation so far, please do subscribe through your podcasting platform of choice so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'll hopefully speak to you again then as we explore another example of how to sell an agency.